0: Day Live. Welcome to the show. Well, big news week this week, and uh, to take us through some of it, I'm joined by executive editor of Comms Day, Rowan Pearce. Hi, Rowan. Hey, Graham. Okay, first up, um, the biggest story this week for us in, t- in terms of um, opens and reads of Comms Day. Well, it was a story about a, a, an RSP called More Telecom. We've spoken with their proprietor, Andrew Branson, on this show before. And they're in a deal with the Commonwealth Bank of Australia and uh, they're just doing the, the, the trifling little project of
1: offering three years free broadband. Tell us all about it, Rowan. Yeah, so this is actually a super interesting one. I think, um, obviously, like CBA last year became a minority um, shareholder of Moore Telecom, and this is, you know they've this is not the first offer, but it's probably the kind of like uh, most startling offer you could say. So they're basically saying that if you're a, if you take out a CBA home loan worth $250,000 or more, you get three years free NBN access, which is worth about $2,700. So it's kind of like a not insubstantial amount. And particularly, I would think when you're actually dealing with someone who's at the point of kind of like home loan origination, and they're looking at this big number, and they're like a $2,700 saving off the top of that is actually kind of quite significant. Um... Obviously, this kind of like builds on the back of like the the first offer, which was rolled out early this year, too, which was like a 30% discount for 12 months for more customers who use a CBA debit card or credit card to take out a service. So it's kind of um, both the offers, I think, are quite fascinating and it's a really interesting model. And I guess it's kind of... I mean, the, the big question is like, what are we what are we going to see next? Are we going to see the kind of other banks jump on this kind of idea? Or are we going to see other brands outside the telco space trying to form similar partnerships? But it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how it pans out.
0: Yeah, and I suspect that's why um, it was such a big talking point amongst the telco industry this week. It was definitely a, a, what I call a water cooler story. Um, and, and for that very reason, that when you start offering something for free and for a long term... and you're subsidizing it with a, a much greater purchase, you're tying it. Um, there's only a limited amount of, of big big firms like the CBA that can do this sort of thing. You can sort of see a potentially a game of musical chairs in the future where Tilcos might try to form similar alliances with the other three banks. And then when you look around, there actually aren't really that um, other big companies dealing in you know, what, what what is commonly a half million, million dollar type of transaction, which is what a home loan is, um, at that kind of scale, to be able to afford this sort of thing. So it's, it's as I say, musical chairs, you know, there's three big banks left, and if you don't do it, form an alliance with them, you may well be left out.
1: I guess, I mean, it's fascinating timing too, because obviously with interest rate rises and stuff, it's kind of, you know, it's it gives CBA a potential edge to offer to their customers as well. Um I think the other thing is, it's like it's such a great kind of story for Moore as well. Like, I'm I'm really interested to see what it does in terms of their scale, because it just gives them access to like a huge number of people. For obviously like Moore's still a relatively small telco, but very interesting to see how that pans out. The other thing that um, Andy mentioned is that they're going to be launching. Um, he expects something in the less small business space and also the mobile space. So it means it's not they're not just stopping at these two offerings. Um, the small business thing, I. Um, I think is particularly interesting because we were talking about this earlier which is that small businesses obviously have like a lot more kind of um uh, uh in-depth interactions with their banks in general than a um, consumer customer might so it's kind of like there'll be opportunities to sell them on kind of some service that'll like cut you know cut some of their operating expenses over time
0: yep and of course it's a reversal of what we've commonly seen in telco where usually you buy a telco service and perhaps Something gets thrown in with that, like you get an iPad or a mobile phone, you know, on a, on a three-year plan. Now this is flipping it the other way around. T- turning telco into a a free commodity has interesting implications um, for how it's seen in the marketplace. Um, and it, uh, it takes me back to a conversation I had, uh, actually going, going back 21 years, um, with Dr. Mark Faber, the, 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 the Dr. Doom of Hong Kong, who... Uh, Always had a contrarian view on most things, and he told me back then that he saw mobile phones as going the way of the pocket calculator and becoming sort of just throwaway commodities. And look, aside from Apple, and to a lesser extent Samsung, he's been proven absolutely correct. There's zero margin in mobile phones for most of the companies that make them. They just they just do them as prestigious loss leader products in their ranges. They make all their money out of other things like televisions or digital media players or whatever. And maybe this, maybe the telecom service is going to go the same way. It's going to have a perception as being as throwaway as a pocket calculator in the future.
1: I I guess, yeah, because it kind of occurs to me that there's been this, you know, discussion around, particularly when it comes to things like 5G of like keeping telcos from like just being the kind of dumb pipe providers, whereas this is kind of. Like you're saying, it kind of pushes the telco itself into the background in some ways as just something that's, that's you know, it's an add-on to your other service, your, the big service, which is the home loan. Um, so what that means for, um, like, how, I guess, telcos approach the issue of, like, foregrounding their brands and, like, particularly if you're a premium telco brand, maybe it's going to get more challenging to kind of sell to people.
0: Yep, uh, Telco ends up like a, a, a cheap soft drink with a Big Mac meal. <laughs> anyway, okay, move, moving on. Um, we obviously have talked this podcast in recent weeks about the big Telstra TPG regional telecoms deal uh, that if effectively involves t- TPG giving some of its spectrum to Telstra and in, in return Telstra providing TPG with the ability to access its, its its radio network in the last 17, 18% or so of the population um, and then transit that traffic over a multi-core network. Now, that, that, that's been controversial. Optus doesn't like it. Um, Optus doesn't want Telstra and TPG to get married. So we found out this week that they committed a little act of adultery. Tell us about it. <laughs>
1: Your your words, not mine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is is the kind of first results of like the Victorian uh, state government's new mobile coverage program. So they're they're trickling out the announcements as politicians seem want to do at the moment to kind of maximise the political value, which is quite frustrating if you're trying to report on them. Um, So the initial site funding has gone to Optus and TPG and the state government actually, in their announcements, they kind of trumpeted the fact that as part of this, that some of the infrastructure between the two telcos will be shared. So it's kind of, um, at, at the moment, from what I understand, is that's going to be some tower sites that will be shared, which is not necessarily super unusual in terms of facilities access regime and all that kind of stuff, but also uh, it's going to include antennas in um, in some cases. So they've only released details about um, a few of the areas covered by this, so it's kind of not clear what the scope is going to be, but it, it, it at the very least, is kind of entertaining um timing because you do have this big fight on between, I guess, Optus on the one hand and TPG and Telstra on the other. Uh, obviously, in the context of the ACCCs, take a look at the proposal for um, the TPG and Telstra sharing deals.
0: And of course, as you pointed out in your coverage, um, this isn't happening in isolation. Um, there's a, um, a lot of neutral host activity taking place with, with money from the federal sphere, I um, mean, evolving you know, pr- pretty much all the carriers you can think of <laughs> you're involved in some shape or form. And and you know, this clearly is the way of the future, isn't it? You know, despite the, the fact there may be protest about the, the big Telstra TPG deal, what we are seeing increasingly is that we're trying to get more bang for our buck, particularly when it involves public investment by, by quite sensibly sharing infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess the other thing is like, obviously... Um telcos telcos a kind of margin challenge at the moment too, with like some very very big capital expenditures with the rollout of five G 2 which is why you do get the kind of TPG Telstra um, uh, type. But yeah, definitely, I think like government um, government funding, like it's kind of it feels like it's going to be not tenable going to the future to just be like we're just going to you know subsidise the rollout of one telco's uh, infrastructure in regional areas, which is what some of the, I guess, the regional connectivity program has turned out to be. Um, I guess actually one thing about the Victorian thing I should note too, it's not, um, it's not just regional, it's not just a regional black spot program either. Like in one case, they're upgrading 4G coverage to 5G, which I think is kind of an interesting um, decision.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. Maybe not so worthy of public subsidy so early in, in the 5G era, particularly when 4G obviously is more than adequate for 99% of... Of consumers' needs, and I hate to say this to our listeners out there who may think otherwise, but um, much like fiber to the premises, there is not a demonstrated need for five G amongst the vast majority of the population yet. <laughs> so, so that you, you could question whether it needs to be subsidised as a matter of public policy, and indeed, the incoming New Labour government would agree with me because the first thing they did when they released their costings just before the election was to say they were going to abolish the 5G innovation initiative. They don't see the need for government money to be going into um, 5G uh, research and development. They think the market can take care of it, and they're probably right.
1: Yeah, is this the the end of the uh, the slush fund era?
0: (laughs) Indeed, and and you hear some of the statements coming out of people pushing for an integrity commission and so on, and, and... you, you might be right there. We, we, we may have seen the last of politicians awarding grants to people sometimes in their electorates, to individual premise owners for their own fiber connections or enhanced Wi Fi or 4G. That era may well be over. It will, will, remains to be seen anyway. Rowan Pierce, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, let's take a look at some interesting announcements that took place from some of the, uh, the up-and-coming challenger operators in Australia this week. I'm joined by Simon Ducks, the Chief Editor of Comms Day. Welcome, Simon. Hi there, Graham. Okay, first up, let's take a look at Nextop, who a an um, interesting telco, and they've made some interesting announcements about what they're doing in Sydney.
2: That's right, Graham. I met uh, co-founder and managing director Michael Lim uh, recently just to chat through how uh, things were going uh, with the build. Uh, we obviously covered their uh, Sydney CBD and also the Macquarie Park uh, builds. And uh, the news came out that they're essentially extending their network out to Western Sydney, uh, which is going to be a... A logical choice for them. It's one that he said uh, we had to be there. You know, you've had big infrastructure announcements. Obviously, you've got the airport, uh, but uh, you've had Microsoft AirTrunk, Trunk, Next DC, among others, have all announced uh, very big data centers uh, to be going out in Western Sydney as well. So it does make a lot of sense. Uh, it was interesting talking to Michael. They're self-funding this. Uh, they've got all of the funding in place to, to build this out, uh, which is in contrast, if you look at uh, a couple of their other uh, competitors, uh, uh, such as um, FiberConnects, which, of course, Andrew Forrest uh, Tatarang uh, invested in recently. Uh, and uh, players like uh, DC, players like Luminet have uh, recently being bought by Swoop. So there's a bit of flux in these dark fibre specialist markets. Uh, Andrew did suggest to me uh, also that they're looking at expanding their Melbourne CBD network. And uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch the progress. And one of the things that came out of the discussion that we had, which was quite interesting, was talking about restoration. Uh, And this is uh, the sort of uh, charges that the council will put on telcos for um, restoring footpaths and so on. And uh, interestingly, he gave me some figures there suggesting that, you know, you're looking potentially in Sydney, about $1,000 per meter to start rectifying or res- uh, uh, fixing up a build, essentially. And uh, he was talking about the fact that uh, if you come across uh, some collapsed ducts or something, you could end up with a charge of 20 meters of digging in up to $30,000 before you've even started charging for a service into a building. And, you know, it's interesting... When you look at Sydney City Council's uh, schedule of prices and charges, that's a 166-page document. So, you know, uh, on that side of things, you can imagine it's an increasing headache for uh, the, the, uh, uh, all of the telcos building out.
0: Yeah, interesting stuff. And, and, and this is the thing. I mean, we have our politicians and all levels of government profess to believe in the potential of the digital economy. The devil's always in the fine print with these things, and they make it very, very difficult for people to build out infrastructure. And every, every year and a half or two years or so, you hear someone some,
2: somewhere talking about reform. It just never seems to happen. That's absolutely right. And uh, the interesting thing uh, that he picked up uh, that Michael actually uh, finished on was uh, talking about the fact that uh, they've seen with a particular optical vendor, that uh the lead times and this is this issue that we're seeing more and more across the telco industry the lead times for equipment because of uh semiconductor shortages is just getting more and more and he was talking about some particular kit which is actually not anything special um but you're looking at lead times of moving up to 12 months and that fits in with a, a separate discussion that i had with uh march who obviously uh, building out in rural and regional areas uh and they've announced that they're going to be building a big uh, microwave uh, capacity increase on their network in Northern Queensland. Now they have some big customers up there, both water industry, gold mines, copper mines as well. Uh, But uh, they're working with NEC to build out this microwave link. They've got some backhaul links from Vocus and Telstra and uh, really kicking on uh, in terms of building out that network. Um, Five new repeater stations, essentially, and uh, looking at uh, plus uh, gigabit uh, speeds as well. So it's going to be quite a big upgrade. And uh, they told me as well that they are also looking at uh, moving from uh, satellite backhaul uh, to actually building out a network soon in West Australia as well. Uh, two backbones, uh, backbones. One out of Geraldton, another one out of Port Hedland. And um, uh, they're using uh, NEC for the point-to-point parts of the network and then Cambium networks for point-to-multipoint and the Wi-Fi elements. And that's where where you go into these uh, remote mining sites and they need to build up a Wi-Fi network to connect up uh, the accommodation, residents and so on that they're on site. Uh, now, as you know, MarchNet owner, uh, Maric Group, recently acquired Spirit Technology uh, Solutions Fixed Wireless Infrastructure, and they are now effectively uh, the biggest independent uh, wireless ISP in in Australia. They've got about 600 towers, which compares roughly, uh, last time I think I looked at uh, Swoops was in the mid-400s or so. So uh, it was interesting to me that uh, talking to uh, the CEO, uh, Paul Teresi, he suggested that, they are also seeing uh, chipset delays in some equipment to the point where they've actually had to switch vendors on one or two operations just because some of the lead times are stretching out now to 12 months. Yeah, very interesting. I I think
0: we're hearing a lot more about that impacting on other sectors of of telco as the months go by and and those lags become more obvious and inventories get depleted. Now, for those of you who heard a drill in the background, uh, just want to point out that comms day... Practices what we preach. We do not let the recording of Comms Day Live get in the way of infrastructure development. Just want to make that very clear. Thank you very much for joining us today, Simon.
2: Thanks again, Graham. And
0: that's it for Comms Day Live this week. We'll see you next time.